Welcome back once again, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brat. Thank you so much for joining us for Shaina Halachis Part 2. So, I mentioned that if anybody wants to be a sponsor, they should reach out. And lo and behold, Baruch Hashem, we have our first sponsor who is anonymous, but he shared the following message. I know I'm not the only one who eagerly anticipates the next year. It has given me an appreciation not only for Chaim Kanievsky, but for how vast the Torah really is. This is a great tchos that you are giving to Klal Yisrael, and I'm thrilled to therefore be a part of it by being the first one to offer a sponsorship for this year. The Torah and the Simcha created should be for Rafur Shalema, for Shifra Bracha, Fas Rachel. The Shiurim have been enlightening and entertaining all at once. So the Shir should be a Tzchos Rafur Shalema again for Shifra Bracha, Fas Rachel. Okay, let's start with an email that we got commenting on the recent Shaina Halachis discussion. And the person, he wanted to make a macha protest about what was mentioned by Rabbi Yosef Cairo. We were discussing shikha, forgetting, and Rabbi Eliezer could discuss how he already discussed this in a previous episode, um, a letter from the Rambam. But this person wasn't happy with the way we mentioned that Rabbi Yosef Cairo perhaps forgets. He said to imply memory loss in such a figure is improper. So Rabbi Eliezer, do you want to respond to that right off the top? Yes, so I will just mention one thing um, for this for this question. It's a very valid question. The quote that I brought about um, possible forget, forgetting or changing of the mind of the Beis Yosef was from Rabbi Shmuel Vital, from Rabbi Chaim Vital, his father, great contemporary, a younger contemporary of the Yosef Cairo. But um, just to put in context, I said, but even though I, I'm trying to avoid going in tangents and tangents and tangents, just one. Makar relating specifically to the base of Cairo, and that is that um, the base Yosef, as it was very well known, Shurus is coming coming upon us faster than we realize. Had a Magid, and that everyone knows. We see, one of the things we stay up on Shurus night is the whole story with the base Yosef and his Magid. So the base Yosef had this Magid. However, the Magid works. But um, anyway, in Shulchan Aruch it says. Bottom line, that in Rosh Hashanah, one should eat meat on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, makes sense. It's Pesukim and Ezra. In the Magad of the Beis Yosef, it says, interesting thing, do not eat meat. So Achreinim already pointed out what's going on here. How could he forget an open Pasuk in Ezra? Furthermore, it's a Gemar and Chulun and a Mishnah and Shafiyas also. The Gemar and Chulun, Pegimel, says one of the four times a year that we shecht and you have to eat meat is Rosh Hashanah. So what's shocked that the Magid said something against the Gemara? Now, about the stira between the Magid and the Beis Yosef is its own discussion. That's a tangent, a tangent, tangent, tangent. But just for our purposes is a shocking statement to some is found in the Radal, Rab David Luria, in the Sefer Maimer Kadma Sefer Hazaya, where you heard from Rukhaim Velazhner. And to preface this, Rukhaim Velazhner knew very well about Magidim, he had conversations with his Rebbe, the Gra, about Magidim more than once. He quotes the Magid of the Beis Yosef a few times in his Nefesh Achayim, And he was known great Makubal, so he doesn't need any Eskamas from us. He says the following about the Beis Yosef's Magid and about this topic. And it triggered that the Magid gave him false information 
And because there was Rifian and Chazara in the Beis Yosef at the time when this thing came down, this statement came down in through the Magid through him. Now, it might sound very shocking, Rokhain Velazhin saying this, but in, in Kabbalah, Makairis, such as Ramayshik Kardavaru, Rokhain Vital, and others, they also say this when they're talking about Magidim. Akopanam, without getting into any more, what we see over here is Rokhain Velazhin is saying there's a possibility that the Beis Yosef forgetting could even be by someone as great as the Beis Yosef. And I mentioned in the first year, the first presentation over here, with the Rambam, that the Rambam in a letter says he forgot, it seems from what we see in this letter, which is an authentic letter, that the Rambam forgot his Makairis for some things until he found it, and that was the story that we quoted him. Okay, and I'll just add, tell me if you agree. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to understand this shikha the way we understand it today with our friends and we forgot something. It could be something on a higher level. I mean, to say, this is the first Gemara, obviously, and you can't comprehend this on a human level. Moshe Rabbeinu says, Shachachti, right? But whatever that means, right? So Moshe Rabbeinu is Moshe Rabbeinu. We, have, we can't even talk, you know? So obviously it means, whatever that shikha means, there was some kind of, uh, something, whatever it is, that at that point, they didn't have uh, right. that Makar. Is that, is that the sphere? It's for sure fear, especially the further back you go in time, no question, when we talk about Avais, Maish Rabbeinu, Tanaim Amaram, but there's obviously, there's for sure such a thing out there. That's not even a doubt. Okay, fine. And one more question to address, and perhaps you'll address this in the actual conversation, is somebody sent the following question. Um, he wanted to know, what did Rav Chaim Zatzal say about the Aruch HaShulchan? He says it always bothered me that the Olam has raised the Mishnah Brura well over the Aruch HaShulchan for several reasons, and he lists his reasons. And obviously, we're not here, me Anu, to be machnis our small heads into these Ben Harim Agadalim. But the Rav Chaim talking about the Aruch HaShulchan, is that something you'll discuss today? So, so, I already alluded to more than once, just briefly, that so there's two points over here that just to say very quickly. Is as follows. The, it seems, and I've heard this from different people, I've seen a little bit, but not a much. What bothers people is, is that in Bnei Brak at least, and we have Rukhain Kanievsky saying this, and it's the Chazanish, which we quoted parts of it last time, is that the Mishnah Baruch Zeichel is God Bechol Yisrael, who ha-paisik ha-achrim b'dayreinu b'chilik archaim. So what bothers people is, what's the story with the um, Aruch HaShulchan? The Chibar Aruch HaShulchan written Mamish in the same time. So, number one is, I had heard, um, and hearing is not necessarily um, from a valid source, but I heard that this, the Chazanish had problems with Aruch HaShulchan and stuff like that. The truth is that looking through Rav Chaim Kanievsky's Svarim, you will see that Rav Chaim Kanievsky has no problem with Aruch HaShulchan. He's familiar with him. And he uses him, Kaseder, in other Chalakim of Shulchan Aruch all the time. He's machri like him. He never says any bad things about him. If the Chazanish wasn't into him or even said something zilzalik about him, a zilzal in their madregas, to me, so to speak, um, he would never really mention him. In Archa Shulchan Asid, which is relating to Zraim, Rechaim Kineski uses it extensively in the Derech Not that he's passing like every one of them, but he, he's using him as a person to discuss. So the, the sentiment that I get from looking in Rokhain Kanievsky, not Tyrish about Peh, from Tyrish Sav of Rokhain Kanievsky's Tyra, that he does not have a problem with the Archashulchan, really. In Archaim, as far as the Paisagachan, the Messira of the Chazanish, for whatever reasons, and, and Rokhain Kanievsky is based on that Messira, was the Mishnah Bura. Now, um, um, just to say here, because I, 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 I fear that 
people will comment. So just to preempt the comments a drop is as follows. The Archa Shulchan saw the Mishnah Bura, the Cholopachos and Hilcha Shabbos. He quotes it sometimes openly. Sometimes he's referring to statements in it without saying openly. Um, Rav Eitam Hinken, in his work, Tarich Lefanai Shulchan, which I had this chus to be involved with the producing of the book, um, has a small chapter about this. Chaval, he was probably going to write a much bigger chapter, but we don't have all the materials, but we have some, and it's found, a little bit's found in the book. And he shows such a thing, that the Archashulcham seemed sometimes to be referred to Mishmura. They got along, they're, coming, they're both Litvaks, the, um, um, the, I don't know, we don't know if they have any contact personally with each other, but we have no reason to assume there was any fights. Uh, as far as we know, we never, no one ever found that there was any such things, any controversies, that they're both on different sides even. The Archashulchan, one has to understand, is a Talmud of Alajan, a brother-in-law of the Nativ. He's one of the Gedoyle Hadar of the time, one of the active, most Rabbanim. He's involved with many of the controversies. A very, very well-known Paisik, people writing in Chuvis. And besides, he also wrote this incredible work called Archashulchan, which we found out after he died. He also wrote called Archashulchan Asid. So basically, he wrote a systematic halacha work on Dalit Chelke Shulchan Arch, including Zram Kachim and Tyrus, an unheard of thing since the Rambam. Anyway, if in certain circles, uh, people, Talmidim of Ramesha, say over there, Ramesha was very into that you go like the Archashulchan over the Mishnabura. Rev Henkin, who was also said similar type of things, but both Rev Maisha and Rev Henkin were also very into the Mishnah Bura. Rev Henkin knew the Mishnah Bura about Peh. So they had their Messiah, and there, there are definitely people, I, I've heard also people from Talmud and Reverdeman saying over there, Reverdeman also said a similar thing, that the Archa was the Paisik and Litva. It, the, the conversation, this is a, um, um, obviously telling a lot of hearsay and, and possibilities, but whatever. There's no question that L'shem Shamayim, both of these chiburim were incredible works, and they helped, they're, they're going on different approaches and different methods, not for now, not this, you know, we're trying to keep the podcast, this to Rukhain Kanievsky. Just I, just to mention one last thing about this, is that there seems to be a zilzal, this is Biksav a little bit, that some people feel that the reason about, that the Archa, they, they, they're trying to look, why is it that Archaim Kineski is not into the Archa per se, let's say for Archaim, why didn't he write a sikum of the Archa Shulchan? Um, or the Chazanish, when he lists his Paiskim, he doesn't list the Archa Shulchan in the list. So they look, and they, based on this Messiah that doesn't really exist anywhere, which we don't have, but they say something to the effect that, oh, look, these Mizrahi people, they're looking for a, a Paisik to hang the hat on that he's, he's, he's more Kuladik than the Mishnah Bura, such as the Archa Shulchan, and there's a new revival for the Archa Shulchan, and it's in Chachutz Mizet to say such a thing about the one of the G'dayla Paisik and the Archa Shulchan. Um, I've, I've seen it a little bit. I've seen young people writing about the Archa Shulchan because of all this hearsay to try to say, oh, the Archa Shulchan, it must be something's up, so let's find a problematic thing, like, who are you to talk about this? I'm saying Archa Shulchan was was one of the great Paiskin before before the war. Anyway, Adkan, more than enough off the on, off the topic of, of this um, this Indian, but this is a, a point worth to point out um, to avoid any more problems or questions about this thing. Okay, so we're gonna dive back in. Um I brought the out of a chance to finish up on the Shana Halachis. And as we say, thank you again for the sponsor. Should be Rafur Shalema. And again, any questions or comments, feel free to email Eliezerbroth at gmail.com myself. Shwed M S E H W E D M at O U dot org. Okay, so Eliezer, jump right into what you wanted to add to the last uh, podcast. Okay, so just a few points. One is that it's very interesting. I noticed the Lushan in the Hagdama of the Shaina Lachas 
when he again when he talks about uh, about the Mishnah Berurah, he he says what's his style of a sefer. He throws in it's going to be kederach hasefer chaya yadam. And and although the truth is it's not really like I, I mentioned briefly last time, it's not really like the Chayyadim. The Chayyadim gives much more um, meat, so to speak. He, he says more reasoning behind a certain sukkim, even in the top part. Forget about the Mishra's Adam. But there's a special thing going on over here, which is that there was a Chashivas in Lita Bechlal and the Chazanish, and the, the Stipler were very into the, Chaz, the Chachmas Adam slash Chayyadim. There's a famous letter of the Chazanish where the Chazanish writes, it's quoted in, in relating to other controversy, the controversy that that letter was written about. When he talks about, he says, Ein lanu lintais, to steer away from me, divri hagayin chachmas adam, shekava besifrai, shemun hageinu bechulu. And then he says, besifrai um, hispashit bedoyer bechol eretz lita. And, and and then he continues in the letter, whatever he's talking about. In, the Chazanesh was very into the Chachmas Adam. In general, the stipler I also saw um, was very into the Chayi Adam, Chachmas Adam. And also, um, I, I re- recently read an interview about Rogadal Yenadol, similar thing, when Yaradea, to go with all the Pesachim of the Chachmas Adam, when possible. And just to mention one last source, is there's obviously many sources, and it's its own conversation about the Chai Adam and Chachmas Adam, but I came across recently, Betzal Rakov writes that, um, he was from England, he writes, how should one paskin? He says, the Svarim Chai Adam, the Chachmas Adam, he was matching them very much, and he was paskin like them, and he gave Shirim on them. Chafetz Chaim also rather gave Shirim on the, on the Chai Adam before he wrote his Mishnah Berurah. Akopanim, the Sefer, was very important, and that's why he's throwing out that it's he's copying on some level, the Kitzer level, uh, making it accessible to the Chai Adam. That's why Rokhain Kineski is being madgish this um, um, this this prat. Um, okay, that Adkan for that, that, um, one other, that was one other point that I wanted to mention relating to the introduction. Okay, okay. um... So you mentioned last time the Shana Halachis was sort of a sikum, not a sikum, I don't know if that's the right word, but focused on bringing out the, it was a tamsis, maybe that's a better word, of the of the Mr. Brewer and the Chazinish. Um, anything else you want to add about the Chazinish? Then last time Mr. Brewer, maybe focus on the Chazinish a little bit more. Yeah, so two things. One is, um, two things I wanted to mention. One is that the the Chazanish and the Mishnah Brura, so I, I recently came across a few different stories, how they, I mentioned that the, there's a Maisa Ish. A lot of times in someone's Nifter, so they come out with material, and then sometimes, a few times, and more material. Maisa Ish, many years after the Chazanish was Nifter, they started putting out these volumes of material about the Chazanish, and then they put out four volumes, and everyone thought they stopped, and then they made an index, and they put out volume five afterwards, and then a six, and then a seven. In one of the volumes, they have a ton of information just written from Rokhain Kanievsky about the Chazanish. So there he talks about a certain Shaila that he had. He says he asked the, the Chazanish, and the Chazanish said, let's bring, bring out a Mishnah Brura, and then he and he passed him based on the Mishnah Brura. And there's other such stories in the Archis Ravenu and in the Mais Ish that the Chazanish had very, um, was very into, even though he does, we mentioned last week, he argues on the, on the Mishnah Brura many times, that the Mishnah Brura was his go-to safer to look at first before uh, talking about something, but that's one aspect of Shana Lachas, and that's where we mentioned the Shana Lachas and the, and the Mishnah Brura aspect. But besides for bringing down the Chazanishes in our Chayim, let's say, or other places that might be relevant, I was I was looking. I have not to 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 be mag, to be magdim. I I cannot say that the Shana Lachas was a safer that was on my table or that I spent a lot of time looking at it. 
in recent weeks, I started looking at it more and trying to figure out what to say. And after I came up with some different things, all of a sudden I, it pops out to me. I'm looking at a um, uh, a sif in, in Shimon Yud Ches, and then I see he brings a psak from the Chazanish, Shebesayf Sefer Menucha Nechayna. I'm like, oh, wow. And Baruch Hashem just gave me something to talk about. Um, as follows like this. the the and, and I'll explain the significance relating with the Chazanish specifically. The Many years ago, I came, while learning Hilchah Shabbos, I come across this, um, Reb Zevin wrote a piece, and in the piece he refers to a Sefer Menuchah Nechayna, and he says some type of interesting thing from this Menuchah Nechayna. I, I went to track it down, I get it. The kids are, it's a Sefer from a Rav in Germany who ends up, he's born in the 1860s, he dies in 1940, right after he came to Eretz Yisrael. His name was Rechaim Bieberfeld. Anyway, it's a small Kitzer Sefer written for the masses. I think it was rich, originally written in, in German for Hamoinam to learn halachas, modern day halachas. Okay, very, very nice, sweet Sefer. And it had a few pieces that that's how I got to it. Rezevan quoted a certain way how he said a certain thing, and that's why I sparked it to look at. Anyway, eventually the Sefer comes to the attention of Reb Shrey Deblitzky from Bnei Brak, and he puts it out with different psukim and editions after it's translated from the German into Hebrew. Then, we're talking in Bnei Brak, it's coming out of Bnei Brak, so at one point, I believe it was in the 60s, uh, maybe even earlier, Reb Kalman Kahana, well, um, he also added in a few pages of Sakim from the Chazanish. And seems, um, and one of the, and there's about four or five pages in here, which has fascinating Sakim that he had a Messiah from the Chazanish. So much so, these Sakim, the pages, the few pages over here, the Chazanish checked over every single sack in here. And this is why Rebchaim Knievsky is bringing down, for example, in Simen Shin Yudches, a psak about what? Shimush B'chashmal. This is one of the first places where the Chaznish talks about Chashmal and Shabbos and his famous Shittas. Now, in Shin Chavav, come across, that he also brings a Menuch and a Chayna, and then he says, and then he throws you in a, the following piece of information. Rebreinemann says that this, the Chazanish was went over carefully these Psakim, that he's justifying why he, Rechangas is justifying why he could bring this down. The answer is because this is coming from Rukal Kahana. Now, the, the Rukal Kahana was very close with the Chazanish, and Lamashali has a Sefer in Hilchas Nida, which became for many, many years the the a sefer that many chassanim used to use when they learned Tilchus Nida, and in it, the Chazanish also went through it and has certain psukim in there um, that are quoted from this sefer from Rukal Mukahan. Now, the, the, this sefer from Nuchayna, just, just to mention Mamish briefly, two, two, three other points, besides I mentioned that with Rodovitsky updating the sefer, um, Rabbi Zalman writes very, very positive about the sefer, um, which can be found in one of the later editions of this Menucha Nechayna, where the son wrote a whole, um, a whole history of his father, a tremendous person he was. And then Rabbi Zevin has, like, Kedarkai, one of his incredible book reviews about the Sefer, showing the Cheshivas of the Sefer. And he writes, um, one of the fascinating, important parts of this Sefer is the Psakim of the Chazanish. Besides that the Etzim Sefer is Gvaldic, and that's how I got to the Sefer, because of Rabbi Zevin using it in a different Sefer of his. But um, he says, Arba Amudim Taifis, the special halachas gedoyles we have from here that are mamish negated to the Metzius. And um, even though, and then he says, even though in the Svarm of the Chazanish, we see him as a great god of the Torah, and, and Kiyadur of Zevim wrote about the Chazanish Barichos, 
But we see over here, his, we see the Chazanish's knowledge and technical aspects of modern day Shailas, as Rabbi in these four pages of Sakim. And that's why it's very significant. This is where the Chazanish, um, um, taught his sheet is about electricity become famous from, and that's what Rebbe, uh, what's his name, Rechaim Kineski is bringing down in here in Derech Emunah. It's sorry, in, in, uh, in his Shaina Lachas. And it's interesting is that Rezevan at the time when he wrote his book review in the 1940s writes, El Shiechide Skulo Beikr Tamide Chazanish Nizarim Beemes Milishtamesh Beorach Hashmal Beshabasos. So at that time it was Mamash a small little tzibur. Over time it became a much, um, a much bigger. Um, Okay, and one last prat related to this Menuchah Nechayna is that many times I always wonder if, I, if I'm going, if I'm doing, I look for, you know, a sign that I'm supposed to be doing this or whatever. So I randomly pull out a Sefer in my in this room. I don't know if you can see, but it has a lot of Sefarim in here. And I open up a Sefer, which I took it down for a completely different reason. It was buried behind the various piles. And I open it up for something else. And then I see that they, they have... Actually, the Chazanish wrote more Ha'aris for the Menuchah Nechayna that didn't get into all the different versions of the Menuchah Nechayna um, based on a different draft of, of these Ha'aris. And this is in this series that seems to still be coming out called Gnazim Vachuvitz Chazanish, Volume Hey. Anyway, that ad kan the Prat about the Chazanish and the Chazanish and the Shayna Allah is what more information one could find in this Sefer about that. Okay, Eliezer, you share with me on the phone. That you have a theory that what prompted Reb Chaim to write specifically at that specific time, the Shaina Halachas. Maybe you want to share your theories with the audience. Okay, so I'm going to share a theory. The theory is it's a theory, it does not mean it's true, it's just a possibility. Um, to make life interesting, the com- even even if the theory is not true, the information still is a little interesting. I hope, and as we we already remarked them that we try to go on some tangents along the way, so we'll learn about some tangents anyway. My theory is as follows: the date, looking at the dating of the Shaina Halachas, I noticed now. Oh, and one other point before I get to the theory is that I saw in the Chafetz Chaim's son, which I've already quoted a few times, about his father. And he, so he sometimes says, why did my father write such and such a safer? So he says, I don't know sometimes. My father didn't tell me. I'm going to guess certain events happened. So I'm going, I'll be the derech of the Chafetz Chaim's son for the Mishabura. I'm using that over here for for the Shaina Lachas. Although the Shaina Lachas says his reasons, so those reasons are for sure true, I'm adding to the mix another possible Nakuda. Now, what, what's that Nakuda? Is I, I'm looking at the safer. And I'm looking at the dates when it first comes out, and I see the year is in the 1960s. It comes out in 1967. Okay. All of a sudden, it clicked that in 1965, a safer came out in Eretz Yisrael, which shook the whole Eretz Yisrael. People were, it immediately became a bestseller, sold thousands and thousands of copies, and this is the Shmir Shabbos Kilchasa. At the age of 38, Yeshua Neuvart wrote this work, which eventually became the classic, and for, for, until today, the, it, everyone has it. It's in every house, America, Israel. It's translated into English also. And it's because, um, okay. So it became an instant classic. Ready right away, it wins the with Cook Prize, which in those days was a, it still exists, I think. I'm not sure if it exists today, but it existed for many years, where a bunch of people pick a, which is the best safer. And, and in that time, the, the judges, one of the judges was Rav Zevin, and he wrote in the, um, 
he wrote up why he and the other judges came to the conclusion that the safer is proper amongst the things is it's, is it's how it's written amazing and it deals with for the first time all the complicated modern shilas even though the mishnabura is, is the mishnabura but there's many new shilas that kept on coming up and even though it's a short period of time but a lot happened and and continues to happen as we see so shemishab was the first such safer to deal with many of these issues head-on and the style, and, and many other things about the Sefer attracted it, and it won the prize, and became very famous. Okay. Now, less known, at the same, also significant is that, even though he was a young 38-year-old person writing a, a monumental halachic work, he was also a Talmud Muvuk of the great Rav Shlema Zalman Orbach, and he wrote the Sefer at the time. Now, why did he choose to write the Sefer? So he already, it seems to be already well known, and he writes about this in the introduction in the newest edition of the Shemesh Kalfasa, that he was, where he was during World War II for many years, he hid out in Holland, whole life is how he got there, and Shabbos, he had a Mishnah Bura Hilcha Shabbos, that was one of the only Sfarim he had, he mastered it, and different Sfusim of being Nizer on Shemir Shabbos, he held that he's going to make his business to work on Hilcha Shabbos, and which eventually he does, and he created this work that he did. Okay, now, what um, what I found fascinating is as follows. It turns out that it was known that there was controversy with the Sefer, and there was Askamas that certain people backed off of the Askamas, and certain Sakam became famous, and then they were removed. turns out that the first edition, which is 1965, it seems that there is five editions. Someone who wrote a uh, master paper on the Shemir Shavuot has located that there was five different editions of the first edition. Anyway, this controversy like everything else, there's controversies. But what was the controversy about? So it's interesting that um, the, fir- the, f- the first Nakuba about the controversy was is that who who began the controversy is the stipler, the great stipler from B'nai Brak, wrote in a parak of his, in his, his Musa Sefer Chai Ayyam, where he talks about Shmir Shabbos, Bechlal, he has a Ha'ara. And in this Ha'ara, he says, I'm making a, um, a, he's making an announcement to the Tzibor, that in our generation, there are people that are putting out works, likutim, similar to Shulchan Aruch, and he says, Asr that they're, they're taking, they're collecting psakim and they're with an agenda, I guess, to be mekel, from all different, from all different works, they're not reliable, they add in their own two cents, maybe it's intentionally, maybe not, with the agenda, he says, you cannot rely on such a thing, Okay, then he goes on, he talks about it further, and then he says, even though it has askamas, Okay, and then he says, I'm not being Mayach, but he doesn't say who he's referring to, but he chose in the, in the 60s to write this. Thing. Right away it was known that it was referring to um, the Shemir Shabbos Kalchasa. And interestingly enough, even as time went on, when various Tzachim were changed, he never, he didn't want to take out this, this piece, even though it could be because he held it's an important piece, even if, let's say, he might have agreed, which we don't know, but he might have agreed to the Shemir Shabbos Kalchasa after all the Tikkunim on some level, but but he didn't 
take it out because he held there's a very important point here, a, a lesson that one needs to be learned about writing halachic svar. Okay, that so that's Nakuda number one. There was this controversy, and what I'm saying is this controversy is led by the stipend. Fast forward a few years, and um, um, Dave Landau writes a country called Beardvarum, which is a 17-page country. He begins with the stipler, so now you, you see now clearly that the stipler was referring to Shmuel Shabbos Kelchasa. He's also from Bnei Brak, one of the great Kedalim of today still. And he writes a vicious attack on the Sefer. I, it, it's vicious. And um, some, some arguments are general arguments which is beyond the scope to, to go through all the different uh, problems that he had. And one of the problems you could see is, is how he feels how the Shmir Shavuz Kachasa is mityaches. He, he deals with how he talks about the Chazanish. This is one of the things that he mentions at the end. And he feels that he's that sometimes he has a problem with it, or whatever he feels the Shmir Shavuz Kachasa has some type of question, and he'll push it away. And that's not how we're supposed to deal with the Chazanish. The Chazanish is the Chazanish. And, and you can see this is bothering Rabbi Vlandale and the stipler. And this is B'nai Brak is very, very much um, um, bothered by this by this thing. So this is the background of, of, of what I saw <coughs> about the top so far. So now my, my, my point is that this is what's going on in, in these years. Because there was such a because the Bnei Brak Paiskin felt that the Chazanish is not being justified properly, but being presented in Halakha Maisa. And the Mishnah Brewer also, even though the Shemish Chazanish is a Baki Nifla, Mishnah Brewer quotes it many times, but it's being also there's other Svarim being used, and it's not the Mishnah Brewer just and, and the Chazanish, so it bothered them as the stipler of the Vanda. So Rukhankeski went ahead and Ishmaisa, he went and he wrote a Chibur to emphasize here's the Psakim of the Mishnah Brewer, here's the Psakim of the um, Chazanish. This is my theory behind, possibly behind another motive why he decided to write the Shaina Halakas. Interesting. So I came across as a while back. David Bashevkin, who wears many hats, also has a podcast, 1840, and he did a series on Shabbos quite a while ago. And I remember he had um, Chazin Yaakov Matzin on, um, who I don't know all the details. Actually, his son works for the OU, um, Rabbi Israel Matzin. Um, his father, I think, was a bachar at that time. I'm not sure exactly where he was learning, but he ended up being the secretary, um, so to speak, to deal with all the letters and all the controversy that was coming into Rav Neuvert. Rav Neuvert, apparently, and you could talk about this probably more, was an Adam Chashvad Noy, but also a tremendous Balmidas, you know, someone who wasn't, you know, someone who liked hacking around. And I think he dressed, he wanted to dress. Um, you tell me, I think you looked, you looked, you listened to the podcast, you looked over the transcript, and he talks about this over there. Yeah. So he, it's it's interesting is that yeah what you, when he sent me to this to this source that he he says that he he didn't want to show Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach the letters that he got from Bnei Brak these sharp letters because they were also being Zalman on Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach so he, he he sort of like took, he didn't want to hurt his Rebbe in any form because he felt it's not it's not fair to his Rebbe so he he avoided it he, he, but he, he I think he did t- it sounds like he did tell him that there were prop that people raised issues but and and then he went and he. Fi- or he fixed it up, according at least you know on some levels in the different editions, to at least to address some of the criticism um, that came out from Bnei Brak. But it was very, it was a very interesting interview that um, David Vashevkin had over there with this this Matsya that he found the secretary at the time um, during this controversy. He was a young bacher, 
and he saw all these letters, which obviously I would love to see, and I'm sure people would love to see, but I doubt they're meant for the public eye. And um, and also, uh, Dov Bashefner himself wrote an article about the Hashivas of the Sefer Shemishavs Chasa, Halamais. In the end, it, it, it did become the classic, and it is considered the, the, the classic um, Sefer Aryan. Now, But I want, I just want to be Magdish over here that I'm not going into, which is really what's sort of behind this, is that there's different approaches in Halacha. It's not unusual um, that sometimes different places can have different shitas. And when one learns, in the, before World War II, there were many Paiskim. They lived in different cities, different areas. Uh, Hungarian Gedolim had one way of Psaq, and Litvash had a different way of Psaq, and Hasidim had a different way. After the war, this sort of became more of a melting pot, and communications became much faster. So B'nai Brak held their way, for whatever reason, and with the Chazanish, and even, let's say, using the Mishnabura, whereas... Yerushalayim had their own messiahs. Hashem Zalman Orbach was also going with that, and, and it sort of was—it sort of on fear. Reb Neivert was this was a was a chash of a yid. He wasn't stam a young whippersnapper, as they would call him, Kasher Shalom, and he was a big Talmud of Hashem Zalman Orbach. And it was known the psakim already then were were coming from with the authority of Hashem Zalman. So much so that eventually Hashem Zalman Orbach went and he went through the Sefer very, very carefully to make sure, because people told him, every psak of yours is being quoted here. So he double-checked it, triple-checked it. He used to sit in a room, Saif Yamav, to double, to check everything, and he released a volume of Tikkunim and Meluim on all these psakim. So there's different approaches. There's the Bnei Brak Halacha, Psak Halacha, which is based on the Chazanish. Unbelievable. Yerushalayim, Hashem Zaman based on other Mitzayrus. Also unbelievable. We're not, I'm not anyone to be talking about who's, I'm not taking any sides over here. There's different approaches. Rechaim Kinyaski was going with the Bnei Brak, his, his uncle, the Chazanish, his father, the Stiper, they, they, that was the Messiah that they were going. But at that time, the, the, the fight was, it sounds like from these letters, from this, this podcast from Dal Vashevkin, it must have been very Levitic. I imagine if the internet would have been around, it would have been even much worse. It's, it has the nature of such a type of thing that that could have happened. And today we see it die down, although, just to be the same, just on a tangent on a tangent, that the Shemish Abbas when it was supposed to come out, and there were other Diyunim, but there was a whole Diyun, when the newest edition that we have, this fat, updated, thousand-page version of Chilik Aleph came out, there was also tumbles about how it's going to shift, if it might shift away from the Tzakim of Shem Azamun, to Yashib Tzakim, but this is beyond the scope of our uh, discussion. Uh, but now I'm just going to talk about two more um, very short pieces relating to this, to, not relating to, to relating that relates to the Shana Lachas, but more about the Yachas of the Mishnah Bura and Rokhan Kanevsky. And that is like this two of them are they're just both very nice stories and they're very, very recent stories. So that's why I feel that they're very Kadai. Some of them people heard of uh, already. Okay, one of the stories is like this um, there was a Machon. The way I heard about the story first was there, there used to be a newsletter, um, a Parsha Gillian that used to come out of Rechaim, uh, relating to Rechaim Kinesky, stuff that he said, stories, um, Tyra of his, weekly, and someone would once in a while cut a piece from it that he found interesting and he would send it on to them. And in the, one of the pieces it says that a group of Avrechim, they were about to, someone was about to put out an edition of the Psikta, and they wanted to know if the, the Psikta, that they, the, the edition they were using was from someone, Shleimer Buber. They wanted to know if People, I guess, they saw a picture of him, and they were very nervous that he didn't look from. And then they checked into him, and they thought maybe he's a maskil. Could we use him? Could we use him for the main source of our work that we're putting out? So the the story goes: they went to ask Rukhan Kanievsky, and without going into all the back and forth, uh, basically Rukhan Kanievsky says it's a beferish and Mishnah Bura that you could use the safer. So like what? 
So it's not. So he said, we're not asking about the psikta. We want to know is is could we also use his material, this bubber himself? So Chaim he says, yeah, the mission is a mission. Okay, it seems they went to look. They couldn't find it. So it turns out, in Simon Tufyud test, Sifkat and Beis and Asharet Sion, buried somewhere. It says, "Upsikta the Rav Kahana the Chulu the Chulu." Then it says, "Umatzasi b'mevaer lipsikta shetama gamkin alav." The Chavetz Chaim is quoting that the mevar, who's the mevar of the psikta, Rav Shlaima Bubber. So it says, "If the Kain Hagadol, as we just got finished saying this week and last week, how the Chavetz Chaim was so important for, and I hope to talk about even more for the Rav Chaim Kanyeski, it's a beferish Mishnah We don't need to go any further." So th- this was what this was acute. Um, usage of his un- incredible bakiyas for the most side detail found in a buried in some sharitzian, and that was what he said. Now the truth is that um, uh, perhaps we'll talk about it more in a different angle, a different time. But the um, so later on, what was the story behind it? Is there's a machon called Zichron Aaron. The machon Zichron Aaron has printed numerous madrashim, numerous chazals, and many of these madrashim. Who was the one who discovered these manuscripts? Shleima Buber. And they printed it. It seems that after a bunch of them, someone made a big stink and said, how could you print it? He's a masculine. Now, the truth is that this question should have been asked much earlier because if you go into almost any shul in America, in Eretz Yisrael, in yeshiva libraries, most of the Midrash Chazal that we have are, meant not most, but many were printed in the past 150 years by Shlomo Buber, discovered it. He was prolific. He was Who was he? He was this rich Balabas, very learned person who lived in Galicia. Born in, in 1827 till 1906, he was from Shem Yes, he did have to do with Maskilim, but he was from and he was good. He was on good terms with many Gedolim. We have manuscript letters of him that were printed a bunch of years ago with the Malbim and, and other people. Um, so this Machon Zichonar was getting nervous because people were making us think about it. But the stink should have been made earlier on other from companies such as Vakshal, the Maznayim publishing house, also printed a bunch of Svarim, and no one really pointed it out then. But the truth is that people did point out other such issues, whatever, okay. Now, um, just to assign two other pratim with this bubber, is that there's two nakudas over here that I think Rukhain Knievsky was is really the main address to ask such a question. That is like this. Rukhain Knievsky was familiar with all of bubbers, madrashim. He used them in all his svarim. So it's it's not all, the main question is not only about using if he says something in a footnote, but it's also is he a reliable person printing manuscripts? It's problematic. Rukhain Knievsky was familiar with them. He quotes them. I mentioned in Lamashal in the the safe on tattoos, he quotes Buber of uh, uh, but he was familiar with all his form of Bubbers. I imagine his, his library had all of them penciled up. And and the point is, he was a Bucky Nifla in, in, in uh, Midrashi Chazal, as we discussed a little bit already. He If he found pieces that were problematic, he would have pointed it out. And right away, when they would have walked into him, he said, Buber, stay away from him. It's not only that the Chavetz Chaim quoted him, the Tyrus of Magia, it's also that Rukhain Knievsky himself, if there was something problematic, he would have known about it. What, what, am, I, what am I alluding to? Is that there's many midrashim that have been printed over the years, and Rukhain Knievsky, um they're collected in different forms. One such famous collection is, is was put out called Eitz Medrashim. Rukhain Knievsky at one point wrote numerous hagayis on them, and, and things that he felt problematic, he writes, "Take out this piece. This piece is problematic." So I have no doubt that if Buber had printed problematic things, Rukhain Knievsky would have picked up on it years ago, and he would have made a uh, made a pointed this out. One other thing about this Buber, because of the personal magius uh, for me, was that. A bunch of, a few years ago, I came across. I I put out a work um, from a Yid Meisha Rhinus. This Meisha Rhinus was a was a son of Rav Rhinus, the famous Rav Rhinus. He died tragically at the age of 20, 21. Anyway, this um, this Meisha Rhinus, he ends up. He was already at the young age of fourteen. He's putting out material and svarim and articles all over. 
I, when I, be, I began a project to put out his material, I thought it was going to be a small booklet of a few uh, 100, 200 pages. And it turns out I, the, the volume ended up being this thick, 750 pages and uh, of material. While I was looking into him, I came across, he wrote about Buber. Turns out he wrote about Buber in his lifetime. Where did he get the material from, from Buber? And he wrote, he had, we fa- I found from manuscript 24 letters of his to Buber. And you see from these letters, I printed them in this in this volume called Mifchark Seven, and 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 you see from here this young sixteen year old guy writing to Buber at that time was already one of the most chashiva people, and he's a rich gvir also chashiva tamuchacham. Everyone gave him covet. He put out many many svarim. He's one of the biggest most popular people in, in the city Lemberg. I think Lemberg it was, but he's a very well known person on all fronts. And you have the sixteen year old guy driving him nuts for all different things. It's amazing to see these letters. I printed them. And, and you see from the letters that he's still answering him, even though he's bothering him a little, what we would call him, uh, maybe a little lumic, uh, uh, possibly, with unbelievable patience. And he helps him, he gives him material, he, and he writes, this Moshe Reines wrote a beautiful, the first essay, While Buber's Alive, about Buber, is printed in this work. Anyway, so I just have to mention it, only just to plug my own self of something that I did um, a few years ago. Okay, that's one um, point. And then just to sign with one last point, again, to show the keys of the Chafetz Chai, of in the Chafetz Chaim's material, the Mishnabura in Merkayim Kanievsky's world. And that is, this came out during the Corona. This was a, a tumult. Everyone was talking about wearing masks, not wearing masks. It seems at some point someone went and asked Merkayim Kanievsky about it. So Merkayim says, it's often a bir alacha. What? A bir alacha talking about masks during a magaifa? What's going on? So it turns out, if one looks to, in the Mishnabura, in the bir halacha, Taf Kuf Nun Dalet, Sivvav, we find, Ayin Besefer Pischei Oilam, this is, this is the Magaif that was going on in the 1830s and onwards. Then he brings down about um, We are near your nose. Kemper umat mita. Some um, you should wear some type of a form of a mask. It was quoted as, and you should have something uh, smelling good, so you should be able to deal with the breath. The breath because it's people complaining. You know, you have to wear a mask. Um, and it's it's, a, it's problematic. So where was this? This was also buried in a bir halacha in Tuf Kuf Nundalid. This is in I think in Hilchos Tishabav area where he talks about it. So yes, someone went ahead and wrote a whole article about this um, during Corona. Many millions of articles came out about all different pratim. But this was a famous thing. The bekiyas from Chaim Kanievsky, somewhere out of the ordinary that he found. He opens up his like um, his bir halacha locates it now just to be messiah because this is. Once you're talking about the Skibur, and it, it played a role, is that the the the, the this Pischei is actually one of the the hidden sources of the Mishnabura. It's first printed in 1901. It's an incredible mass of work on Archaim. It's this this is one volume. There's another volume also. Rishlei Mekayin in in his Askama already writes that we already know from this Dayan, this Hashiva Gadol wrote numerous works beforehand with, with tremendous Askamas. This is Saif Yamav. He's writing this work. He says, um, It seems that he really wrote on everything. But the point is, this has tons and tons of information uh, from multiple chuvas and different types of sources, even Hasidic sources a little bit. Excellent, excellent safer. It's not really used today. Very few people know about it. It is available on Hebrew books. 
and the, but the um, Chafetz Chaim didn't know about it. He used it openly a few times, and it seems also other times he had other svarim of his. And in Lamashal in, in Hilchas Tefillin, he quotes a different sefer of his. And just Bechlal, the stipler also is very it has two interesting things. In one in the Archas Rabbeinu, one point I see that the stipler really liked Sifrei Malaktim, such as he says um, he brings down what was an example the Pischei Olam and Archaim. Elsewhere, he brings down that the, the stipler said that the Piskei Oilam had problems with his vision. Um, but when he, but um, he made a promise that if he's able to finish up a safer and he and he was and he finished up a safer and he was and he got back it seems he got back his ria. The stipler uh, brings it down in a different place. And they bring it down from the stipler in Dark Chazarbeim. All in all, I would say is it's kedai to it's another tool. It's kedai to be aware of. And um, as I said. The, the, it was used by the Mishnah Brewer and this Rukhain Kanievsky again when he was asked during the Corona all the different questions that he was asked he said oh it's often a Mishnah Brewer so not only was he writing the Shaina Lachas he knew he knew the Mishnah Brewer even the most side pieces of information the names of people quoted etc etc thank you very much a lot of fascinating material looks like we've kept this conversation to around the 45 minute mark um, what's next on your agenda Rabbi Brat? It's a good chance that we will continue with the Derech and Muna in the next uh, series, in the next episode of the series, continuing with the world of Halacha of Rabkayim Kanievsky. Okay, looking forward. If you're still listening, um, if you have any questions or comments, again, send either one of us an email, eliezerbrat at gmail.com, shwedm at ou.org, and sponsorships are available. Once again, thank you to the sponsor, and the discussion should be as chusr for shalema for. Shifra Bracha Bas Rachel. Have a very good day. Thank you.